Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And I don't know if my little stammer that I just did in that intro was like big enough for everyone else to notice. I definitely noticed when it happened. And the only reason I pointed out is because I'm not going to change it. And I w- want everyone to feel comfortable making mistakes around here. Now, Alex, I've brought you in to talk about your mistakes. Um, number one nice. is mm-hmm. um, just kind of all of it. Just like whatever you think was a mistake was, right? If you ever like, if you've ever thought, I wonder if anybody noticed, they did, and if they didn't, I did. I'm just a humble man who does not bring it up until it can be weaponized against you. Well, here's the thing: I also never listen to our episodes, so I have to just assume you cut stuff out, right? Also okay. think you fix I think you cut out a lot of your stuff and just like ah eh, Alex not going to listen to this. <laughs> um I will neither confirm nor deny that. I want you to continue to live in this uh ambiguity of where you stand in kind of your digital footprint. Like I am the master of your digital footprint. And um I think that that should be a thought that you think about more frequently. Honestly, the fact that you let me run wild with this is absurd. Why well, also, but here's the thing. I'm relatively unattached. I don't advertise this information on my public stuff. So like in a background check, as long as nobody close to me mentions this podcast, my job doesn't know about it, which is not something I should be saying on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All it, t- you know, as long as nobody gets a hold of the email address that's attached to this account, we're fine. We're, we're good. I mean, I'm good. I've always been good. Right. And I don't use my real name. And if anyone ever comes to me, I'll just be like, it's an alter ego. It's my brother. It's my cousin. It's not me. Oh, so you're yeah. going to lie. That's, what else am I supposed to do? Get okay. fired? I'm going to lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Dude, the stakes you know? are I imagine, high. You know. Okay. I'm, I'm... Later this week, I'm going to get a text in all caps that is going to be very urgent, I imagine. Oh, it's going to be like, hey. Cancel everything. Cancel everything. Hope nobody has any downloads. I'm just Yeah. Has anybody saved this? Can we track if anybody saved this? It's like that movie Sex Tape with Jason Siegel and Cameron Diaz, right. I think. Where it's like it got but uploaded stupider. to the cloud. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why old people have problems with the cloud. They made a rom com about it. Uh it you know, here's the thing. There is a very specific demographic that watches rom-coms. I think they doubled that demographic when they called it sex tape. Um, sure, But it's yeah. still such a small group of people that I'm sure people make that mistake often still. Like, they didn't learn from it. Like, I think there's so many AI movies that people are like, oh, we're not down with AI. Purely because they've seen... I mean, we all watched iRobot or, like, something adjacent. Terminator. There's a bunch of them. So we don't need to be told twice. However, there's been one sex tape movie that revolved around stuff uploading to the cloud. People, that's not enough. People are going to continue to make that mistake. <laughs> what I'm saying is, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure there's not going to be another Holocaust because we've made enough movies about it. You feel me? Um, I don't know if that's why we're not going to have another one. But if that's the realm that you want to I mean, live in and that brings you comfort, then they so might not. Be it. it might not be causation, but there's some correlation. Let's talk about the movie that we brought this week, okay? Sure. Um, yeah. It's... So we. Yeah. Y- oh, you want to do the whole like skip the movie, or do we do that after this? 
Sure. Um, we are watching the 2020 movie The Father with Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 23 minutes, 45 seconds. Go for it, man. Sweet. So this movie, I literally just got confused with, you know, two popes. So I avoided watching it for a while because I'm like, dude, I don't need to see Anthony Hopkins in another Catholic movie where he plays, you know, a priest or whatever or the pope or whatever. This movie is not that. And not even a little. It's very good. I haven't seen I haven't talked to anybody who's actually watched it. So I couldn't like I didn't know what it was about going into it. Um, it's Oscar nominated. Um, Anthony Hopkins. Did he win? Yeah, he won yeah. for best actor in a leading role. Um, nominated for uh, and won for best adapted screenplay, and then nominations for performance by an actress in a supporting role, uh, achievement in film editing, production design, and motion picture of the year. So that's a lot. Yeah. And so I started this movie. I watched this movie in two parts just because I had to do it for scheduling. Um, the first part of this movie is pretty slow. So this whole movie is the audience kind of being observers through Anthony Hopkins' character through his journey like through dementia. But we don't know that. We think we're watching a movie about a guy with dementia, and then you realize that we're viewing the world as he views the world. And then once you realize that, this movie's just like legit. So we know he has dementia from the from the go, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Olivia Coleman plays his daughter, and she's trying to find a new at-home nurse for him. She's trying to figure out like a living situation and all this because there's this kind of timetable because she says. I'm moving to Paris. I can't take care of you every day. You need to find a nurse that you vibe with because I'm leaving. And so um, Anthony Hopkins, his character name is also Anthony. So that's convenient. And they have the same Um, birthday. Yeah. And so Anthony doesn't take this very well for obvious reasons because he knows he has some sort of mental illness. Like he talks a lot about in this movie, like something doesn't feel right. I don't feel right. Like something is off here. He's constantly talking about how like there is something wrong and I can feel it, but he doesn't always know what it is. And so when he's forced to deal with this like existential crisis paired with his daughter leaving him, he doesn't uh, take that very well. He has some troubles with that. Yeah. Um, also, he's just like in a state of confusion pretty often. And he's just an older guy. So he's just disgruntled. Like, yeah. he's already pretty irritable just being older and being kind of done with other people's crap. And then people just like not being recognizable to him or like treating him like a child or not allowing him to have his independence or, you know, forcing him to have help. All this stuff is just like constantly getting yes. on his nerves. And so the first half of this movie is all about kind of setting up what it's like for him to live. I think actually I would say the first half of this movie is more about uh, his daughter's perspective on his on her father's dementia. And so she, this movie is a lot about her finding a new nurse, um, making sure that he's safe. 
um, her husband not really getting along with him. So there's a lot of stuff from like his daughter's perspective. The character's name is Anne from Anne's perspective. And all of this is slow, you know, not disengaging, but kind of run of the mill. I didn't find it super interesting, but it's all worth it because the second half of this movie is like, it is such a psychological trip and it's not like a psychological thriller, but it's a deep enough change in perspective that like I was genuinely taken aback several times in the latter half of this movie. Yeah, it's it gets so disorienting that at the end you're like, I kind of need to someone to explain to me what actually happened. Yes. Because like it kind of makes sense that you can kind of put it together. You start seeing, you know, faces around their actual roles. You can kind of put together a vague timeline um, of how things are actually breaking down or because you see things from like multiple perspectives because he's his, he's just like in and out of like, I wouldn't say consciousness, but like coherence, coherency, lucidity like the, Yeah. The times where he's actually conscious of what's actually going on is few and far between because a lot of times he's like remembering something that happened weeks ago or months ago, but he it feels like he's experiencing it right then and there. And then he's missing what's going on right now. So knowing what's going on while it's going on is few and far between. And you might not even be recognizing it when it happens. So yeah. like at the end, you see him in a nursing home and you're like, okay, how did we get here? Yes. And so the first time that I think we kind of get clued in on it, or at least the first time I was like kind of understood the direction that this movie was going is... um. A recurring, I don't want to say a recurring theme, but something that gets brought up a lot is like they have chicken for dinner, right? And it gets brought up several times to the point where you think, oh, this family just has chicken for dinner a lot. And then they start showing scenes like almost out of order where um, where Anthony goes into the kitchen, he fixes something, and then he leaves. And then Anne comes in and then puts in all the stuff that Anthony uses in the kitchen. So he's using stuff the way that we see it. He's using stuff that hasn't been put in the kitchen yet. And so that was kind of the moment that asynchronous storytelling where I'm like, oh, this movie is, this movie's about to do something. Yeah, I think there was that. There's also a scene. It's the whole Paris thing because she says he's, yes. she's going to Paris. And then the next hour of the movie, he's like, she's going to Paris. And in every memory, she's like, no, I'm not. Why do you keep saying that? I'm not going to Paris. I've never said I'm going to Paris. I've never thought about going to Paris. There's no work in Paris. I'm married to this guy named Paul. And he's like very confused. And then he like sees a guy and goes, who are you? And he goes, I'm married to your daughter. He goes, no, you're not. And then that's that's all confusing. So you pick up on both of those pretty early. And then the whole time, which is the easiest thing to understand, is he's constantly talking about, hey, you remind me of my daughter, the one I like, my favorite daughter. Yes, because um, he had a second daughter who had an accident. They don't talk about it, but it's pretty easy to read into the fact that there was some sort of accident and uh, the other daughter named Lucy died in this accident and um, Anthony never really got over it. And so he starts projecting her face onto specifically this nurse that, he really likes um so when he first meets this nurse he's like you look a lot like lucy 
And I like you because of that. And then the same nurse comes in the next day and she doesn't look like Lucy anymore. And he freaks out. Yeah. Um, dude, it's like on the bright side. Here's the, here's the, it's, he freaks out. He loses it. He goes, that's not you. That's kind of like in the middle towards the end of the movie. It's very hard to keep track of time in this movie. Like how much you have left because you're seeing like the same six scenes over and over again. Um, yes. you only you get introduced to a very small cast. You're in the same setting the whole time until the very end of the movie. And you're dealing with like pretty much the same issues. Like, what are we doing today? Am I getting care? Where's my watch? Um, I don't know who you are. It's yeah, the same stuff. And Anthony's watch is a theme that we see a lot because that's like his only tangible grounding object. Like to him, no matter what else he doesn't understand, as long as he has his watch, he knows that he's like somewhere and uh, I don't want to say lucid, but like it's the one thing that he can touch to kind of like remind himself of like his individuality almost because like you said, he's shoved down his throat with um assistance and nurturing and babying. So like to him, that watch is like the one like final piece of his independence. So there's a bit where like he can't find his watch or someone is messing with his watch. And again, that's another moment where he like loses his cool. And this is one of the few movies where every time he loses it, I kind of understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm just as confused as you are. I have no idea what's going on. And there's time where he's being yeah. nice, and there's time, times where he's charming, and there's other times where he goes like, what the heck's going on? What is going on? Like, I um, need someone to be so real with me right now, and if you lie to me, I will not take it. Yeah, it's it's hard, bro. Um, I, I totally get it. This movie, I mean, there's a reason it won a bunch of stuff. Yeah, like, I agree. It's I get it. Listen, I get good. it. It's also a perspective I've never seen before. Also, um, it's told in a way that makes you feel like something's going wrong. Like, yeah. oh, if this is what this is, Alzheimer's or dementia is really like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Um, I've um, known people who've experienced this. I didn't know them personally. Like, I haven't had to personally deal with those people. But people have told me, like, hey, my grandpa, my great aunt, my whatever is experiencing this and it's brutal. And I'm like, I guess that makes sense. Now I know why it's so hard. Dude, like you have no idea what's going on. These people just don't recognize yeah. you. So it's, that, yeah, that that's really the best part of this movie is this kind of perspective shift, like you said. Um, so something about this movie felt familiar, and I was curious as to why, and it's because it is very similar to my favorite movie of last year, The Whale, in the sense that they're both based on plays, and both playwriters wrote the screenplay for their respective movie. And, like, it's a very similar kind of movie. Like, a person with not necessarily a unique, but, like, an um some sort of disability in an apartment handling the people that care for them. And um, so once I kind of made that connection, I, cl- I was, like, way more receptive to the concept of this movie. And that kind of opened my eyes to what the message of the movie was kind of trying to be. Uh, So I guess what I'm trying to say is I like play movies. I like play movies because it's character driven. The dialogue strong. You don't get a bunch of settings and the characters are usually limited. It's just more straightforward and easier to understand. Also, nine times out of ten, they're shorter. This movie's an hour yes. and 37 minutes, and it's yeah, very absolutely. easy to watch. Um, Now I want to talk about 
the the part that like really sunk this movie is like this movie deserves awards is like I did not expect to see Anthony Hopkins cry in this movie. And when that happened, I like, I don't know, man, it, it, it hit different. Dude, there's this, in the trivia, it says, by the time you finish that scene, most of the crew was crying. The woman who's playing opposite him couldn't be in the room because she's like, I can't, I will start crying and it's going to get picked up by the mics. So like yeah. that very ending scene, dude, everybody was dying. Yes. I just i didn't get that emotional response but i was just like hey this guy is i'm you mean you're so convinced this is happening to a real guy that like anthony hopkins played it so well that you get why he won the oscar i'm like oh this feels real this feels pretty freaking real and then uh when that scene comes around i'm like i just feel bad for everyone in this position yeah like i just so there's there's a scene kind of closer to the middle of the movie where he cries like in Anne's apartment and she comforts him and she kind of does like she comforts him in a way that a child that you know a parent's child would you know she calls him his nickname she like rubs his back and like she has that like familial comfort and that struck me really hard just like the way that like all of Anne's frustrations kind of like washed away. Cause like she remembers like watching her father cry in her apartment. She's like, I got to remember what I'm doing this for. I have to remember that, you know, it was, it was watching her be reminded like truly what his limits are. And he had gone past his limits. And so now she kind of has to reset and be like, this is, we got, I have to do something different now. And so that scene was like super cool to watch. And so that's cool because we, that's the first part of it we see. And then, like you said, at the end, he cries again. And the part that like real, uh, this is like even tough for me to talk about, but like when he's crying during the end of that movie, he's just like constantly saying to himself, like, I want my mommy. I like I need my mommy. I need my mom. And hearing this like 85-year-old man call for his mom is absolutely guttural. Oh god, that like that one like genuinely hurt me. And Yeah, dude. I mean like it's just so, you feel so bad. And it's nobody's fault, but it's just the yeah. situation it's in and there's nothing you can do about it. So the caretaker is like, let's just, we're going to go outside. We're going to go for a walk. I'm like, oh, this person deals with this every day. Yeah. It's brutal, bro. This movie is like one of those things that like, it's so good. And one of the biggest reasons it's so good is because it's so realistic. It makes you feel like all of this, yeah. it, if this was at the very end was like based on a true story, everyone would believe it. Yeah, but instead it sure. is based on a true story and multiple people have experienced this. Many, many, numerous people have experienced this. And we just got like a dose of what that's like without having to go through it. It's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. So I like, I, I just, I understand all this movie's accolades. I agree with them. Anthony Hopkins just kills it. Like it's, if the, the first half of the movie is slow, but it's all set up for the second half of the movie. And it's totally worth yeah. it. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it was slow in a bad way. It was just like, there's no action. This is not an action movie. You just got to, you're just paying attention. It's a slow burn, but I didn't feel like it was boring, you know? Also, sure. I think this movie is like 50-50 film movie. All right. But I don't know if it's like that much of a film. It's more just like a drama, you know? I didn't feel like this movie yeah, was pretentious. Yeah, this is one of those ones that's hard to 
categorized like that because when we talk about film versus movie, you know, we talk about art versus entertainment and typically movies that fall into the 100% film category are like the super snobby film bro. This is a French movie from 1942. Black and white, dialogue heavy, 12 minute long scenes. It's, it's, so like that's that's a, what a 100% film movie looks like. And obviously this is not that. Right. But this also isn't a popcorn fluff movie. You know, you're not going to watch this movie to um this you're is not, not have a friends over to watch this, is, this bro. You're going to watch this with your yeah. significant other or by yourself. Um so, and then you're going to walk away I, being like kinda, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alex, I watched this movie and then went to work for the day. <laughs> Yikes. <bro. laughs> So, all in all, I think this movie is something that, like, I wasn't purposely avoiding it, but, I like, I knew that I was going to have to set aside some mental energy to watch this, and I did, and, let, and oh, man, it just absolutely destroyed it. Um, I yeah. think, I think I give this movie, like, an eight and a quarter. Okay, I'm giving it a flat eight. Yeah. Um, I mean, once we get into the eights, I think eights and above are objectively good. Eight is like the bottom for yeah. objectively good. Everyone agrees this movie is good. Um, once you get to, like past like eight and a half, it's all subjective. Maybe even past eight, it's all subjective. Well, let's be so clear up front. Everything on our scale is no, subjective. No, that's not true. Every <laughs> yes. I can't imagine. Here's a here's a good way to break down. This is not how we designed it, but it works for audience purposes. When we give it an eight. 80% of people would like it. When we get something of four and a half, four and a half, 45% of people would like it. 5%, you know, five, sixes, and sevens. It holds up. In that number, all that makes sense until you get down below the threes and above the, above the nines. Because I've definitely given stuff nines that mo- 90% of people are not agreeing with me. Like Tenant, I gave a 10. That's just not true. You know? <laughs> I get it. But I think, I think three to eight, I think that holds up roughly. And I think I a strong roughly. Yeah, I, We're not going to put that in stone or yeah, anything. Don't sue me, but it makes sense. This movie is objectively good. Yes. Yeah. I this is not your movie if you are not a dialogue person. If yeah, if you don't like you, people talking, you won't like this movie. And if and like the, this whole movie takes place in a single location. So if you're the kind of person that wants their movies to like change direction pretty frequently, you know, you're not going to get that from this movie either. So this movie has people that I think lies outside of his audience. I, mean, I know, you know people who I, only watch action, but I mean, like these yeah. people don't—they don't know, you know. Like those are the people who That's can't. That's Alex's. Be... Hold on, this is Alex's not so subtle way of saying that he has a, a better opinion about movies than other people. Yeah, those are the people <laughs> who don't watch animated movies because they're kids' movies. And I'm like, so you're telling me they're like they're all for kids? I'm like, what about Lion King? They're like, it's a kids' movie. I'm like. Well, there's no saving you, you know? And then they're like top three favorite <laughs> movies are all war movies and or Marvel movies. I'm like, well, you just, uh, there's no reasoning with you, you know? So there you go. If your favorite rapper is Macklemore. <laughs> don't watch this yeah, movie. Don't watch this movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, let's do an improv segment, shall yeah, we? Yeah, I'm feeling consistent cutaways. How's that sound to you? Let's do it. I'm cool with that. Um, I want to break it down for the audience, Greg. You're good at this. <laughs> I had a feeling the pause was just too long. Yeah. Um, 
Consistent Cutaways is an improv segment that we do that we do an improv scene and during the scene, if we feel like it calls for it, we will call for a cutaway and then we act out that cutaway. And if we feel like that cutaway needs a cutaway, we'll do that too until we eventually make it all the way back around to the original scene and kind of see what happens from there. It's a pretty literal uh, segment. We call out our, our cutaways in pretty grand detail. So you're not going to miss them. Yeah, dude. Um, what are you feeling? What do you want our setting to be? Where do you want to start off? Here's what I want. I want you to be the head chef at a fancy restaurant. And I am a new hire. And you are preparing me for everything that's to oh, come. Oh, jeez. Okay. Hey, rookie, come here. Uh, y- yes, chef. Listen, I'm going to... I mean, the crowd hasn't come in yet. We're about to get started with prep. You need to know that if you're going to be succeeding in my kitchen... There's a million things you have to do, and you need to do them all perfectly. Otherwise, you're gonna not, you're gonna last two days in this kitchen. Everyone here has a job. Uh, Everyone here is great at their job. We don't have time for any slackers. What is your previous experience? Where did you work at before this? Um, I worked at a Chili's for about three years, How sir. How the hell did you get this job? Um, I put in my application. I talked to the hiring manager. I interviewed really well, Cuts sir. to the interview. Um, so tell me, what's your favorite food? Um, I'm a big fan of like a good of a good chicken parmesan. Um, uh, actually, like you don't even need the chicken. So like, if I could just get like some straight parmesan. Probably. Yeah. Just straight Parmesan. Chicken Parmesan, no chicken? Correct. Um, where did you study at culinary school? Oh, um, I went to uh, Arizona State University. Is that, isn't that completely online? I still got my culinary degree. Hey, listen, man. This chef's a douchebag. Go in. Do whatever you want. I don't care. I hate this guy. <laughs> um. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Cuts back to the chef conversation. How did you get this? Whatever. Can you... Show me. Do you know how to dice something? Do you know how to saute something? What What do you know? Okay. Uh, ask me one question at a time. Dicing? Yes. Okay. Sauteing? Can you prove bread? Can I prove bread? Yeah, this is bread. I proved oh it. Oh, my gosh. Listen, I'm going to need you to just organize the freezer. That might be your job. Okay. Which you know one? what? We're done having this conversation. You go talk to the sous chef right over there. That's Reggie. He's going to take care of you. Um. Okay. Uh, hey, Reggie, uh, the chef came by and wanted me to talk to you about something. Oh, dude, you must have really f- He sent you to me? I, I how mean, long did you talk to him for? 45 seconds? Well, um, I don't know how much you're getting paid. Frankly, I don't care. Um, but you're not going to last long here. Uh, do you have a girlfriend or anything? Uh, a family? Not a, okay, again, like you that? get. Hey, can you guys ask me one? Is that a thing around here that you guys just don't ask a single question? I don't know if you know this, but we're a two Michelin star restaurant. Do you know how many of those are, there are on uh, Earth? A few, probably. A few. Exactly. A few of us. There's things moving on. This is very important. We kind of know what we're doing around here. Listen, you know what? Walk me through how you would prepare macaroni and cheese. When's the last time you made macaroni uh, and cheese? Earlier this morning, sir. All right. Cuts to you preparing macaroni and cheese. <sighs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, the the water's been boiling, so let's go ahead and put the macaroni in there. Um, we're going to go ahead and open the cheese sauce. Uh, make sure that that's all tenderized and loose. Um, then we're going to grab the Cheetos. We're going to start pounding that into a fine dust. Um, then we're going to get the bread. And we're hey, just Rumi, start, what you, you know, making? Mushing that. Oh, just some mac and cheese with Cheeto dust and bread balls. Do you want some? Is this, does the air, is, is the air spicy to you? 
Are you making? Oh, is that flaming hot Cheetos? Oh, not uh, not intentionally. No, it might end up being flaming hot Cheetos. Hey, I think that's burning. Um, is that what, burning? Uh, wa- the water? I doubt it. Something smoky in here. Where is that coming from? Oh, you know what? That's my bad. Um, I have some pop tarts in the toaster, and I set it to ten. Um, just because I really I you like make crunchy cheese. Why are you having? Pop-tarts? I'm making both. I'm making both. Dude, what's up with your palate? Cuts back to the suicide conversation. You you made macaroni and cheese and pop tarts. Well, I was making the macaroni and cheese. Cheetos. The to- again, the Cheetos were not flaming hot yet. I was working on it. Listen, everyone man, knows know that flaming hot Cheetos do, are better when I you make I'm them yourself. You- listen, man. Listen, 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 listen. I don't feel comfortable with you handling knives. So I don't know what the chef told you, but I'm going to have you working in the freezer. Go in there with uh, with Jenny, and I'm sure she'll have something okay. for you to do. Uh, hey, Jenny, uh, everyone just keeps dismissing me. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe the kitchen isn't like the best um, well, well, the good news place is, for me. Is you're pretty, you're pretty observant because everyone who gets sent in here to work with me gets fired at the end of the day. Oh, so, well, yeah. Do you, do you want to just, like, talk and hang out then? Like, yeah, you have man, any, like, I, I usually just play stories? some music. Yeah, I'm just organizing things around here. You should remember, dude, the last guy that was in here cuts to a week earlier. Hey, so, uh, uh, welcome to the freezer. Uh, Why did you get sent in here? Uh, oh, um, I don't particularly know. Um, th- All I really noticed is that the chef looked down at his shoelaces grumbled to himself and then sent me to the freezer i don't even didn't really get a chance to introduce myself um but i imagine you know we'll clear it all up later on in the day yeah sure um can you do me a favor and hand me those uh peppers over there uh the green ones or the red ones uh red ones okay yeah here okay well these are apples uh i have a feeling i know why you're sent in here cut to a week earlier uh where a new guy is sent to the freezer hey um i'm jenny uh why did you get sent to the freezer um well, I, I, I told the boss that at my last job, um, I got caught smoking in the freezer. So we kind of just, he said, well, let's best get ahead of it then. And then All sent right, me to the freezer. That's a week earlier. Hi, uh, my name's Jenny. Uh, is your hand bleeding? Oh, um, uh, actively, I don't think so. I think it's uh, clotted by now. So you came to work in a kitchen with blood on your hand. I figured that there was no group of people that could faster get me cleaned up than people... That might cause a biological okay, I think hazard. I know why you got sent to the freezer. Cuts to modern day. Yeah, so pretty much pretty bad track record with people in the freezer. Um, I'm sure you, maybe he'll rescue you, maybe not, but I have a feeling you're going to be out of here by the end of the day. Uh, can you, would you mind handing me that uh, gun over there? Uh, yeah, this loaded gun. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so here's our firing process. Cox gun. Huh. Hey, I think whenever I think of chefs, I will always think of Ralph Fiennes now. Yep. One hundred percent. I think of him and I think I think of three things. I think of him. I think of the bear on Hulu and I think of Bradley Cooper. And sure. Burnt. Those are the three chef things that come to my mind every single time. And I just jump back and forth. Yeah. Um. So, hey, Ralph Fiennes, you did great. Proud of you. Yeah. Great job. Um. All right. That was consistent cutaways. It's an improv thing we do. It's hilarious. I know. Uh, on to our middle segment, Craig. This is Moonlighting. This is a segment that when Alex and I have compiled enough free ball and stuff that it takes too long at the end of the show, we just kind of move it to the middle. So that way we have a little bit more time and can really stretch our legs on this bad boy. Um, I'm going to start us off. And I did last week. I talked about Star Trek Into Darkness. This week I did watch Star Trek Beyond. 
Um, this was the one that wasn't directed by J.J. Abrams. It was the Fast and Furious guy whose name I forget. Michael um, Bay? No. He hasn't directed a single what? one. I was just No. You. I just I didn't know. Okay. okay. Anyways, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. So this one was definitely the most, this is weird to say, the most grounded Star Trek movie uh, of the modern trilogy um, because everything else is like very like spacefaring, starships, blah, blah, blah. This one is like, we're going to be in space for like five minutes and then we're going to be on a, and then we're going to be on a planet for the rest of the movie and so that was kind of a weird perspective to be like hey these other two movies that were very galactic in nature we're gonna be on like a desolate planet for all of this one so that was a bit of a Mm -hmm. weird tone but i've said this before and i'll say it again spock and kirk are perfect i love them chris pine and zachary quinto are amazing i love them i will watch them do whatever they want for the rest of their lives I have such a fond attachment to them. Um, this one had more Simon Pegg in it, probably because he helped write the script. Yep, I'll um, do it. <laughs> uh, and so it was, you know, he's good in these movies. I like him. He's not my favorite cast member. And I just want to say, having now seen all three of the modern Star Trek movies, why is Zoe Saldana in so little of it? Like, she has a pretty decent part in the first one. In the second and third one, it is almost non-existent. Like, she could be replaced with anybody, and it would not affect it very much. And so that's kind of a I bummer. I wonder if she I was, loved... like, blowing up during this, and she just had, like, scheduling conflicts. Like, listen, I can't be here very long. Maybe. I just, like, I love her so much. I really like Zoe Saldana as an actress. So it's kind of a bummer that I wasn't able to see her as much in the previous two movies. Um, mm. But... I, I just this movie has so much heart. Carl Urban, I I love Carl Urban, and I love him Does specifically. He play a bad guy? At, no, he's the medical doctor. I mean, oh. medical doctor is redundant. I feel like, but um, I feel like Carl Urban plays a real good like dark. Which character. is why I love him in this so much, because um in all the Star Trek movies, Kirk is a very like flying by the seat of his pants kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And he's like very gut instinct. Doesn't really think through much. And here you have Carl Urban uh, playing. The character's name is bones. And he's like, Hey, Kirk, this plan sucks. You got to understand that. Right. And he's like, (laughs) and, and then Kirk is like, I kind of don't care. And so bones plays this, my favorite kind of, character which is i've accepted that your plan is stupid let me help you with your stupid plan so you don't get killed my it's my favorite dynamic so this one was definitely the weakest of the three but i still loved most of it so it sits at like a 7.75 i love these movies whoa Uh, i I will watch all of these movies until they stop making them or until i die good to know um i watched shrek 2 bro yeah shrek 2 i remember from watching the other shreks is the best shrek it's the best one it's one of those few times where the sequel's better than the first one and a lot if anything you can chalk up the first one of anything anytime the second beats the first one it's because the first one spent all the time on world building the problem is is sometimes the world building is the best part aka hunger games sometimes the best time is when Hold on. The best part of Hunger Games is yeah, the world the, building? Wrong. The, uh, 
hold up. Yes, it is. It's the, let me introduce you to the games. Here's how the games work. Here are we trained for the games. Here is how all that is picked. Here, here's what happens when you get picked. Here's what happens when you win. It's the whole thing. The reason Catching Fire sucks is because now we've already seen everything. So now you got to give us something new and that just doesn't happen. So there's that. Then, Regardless. anytime the second movie beats the first movie, it's because like the first movie had to create the world and the second can just like do stuff with it. And this movie has a dope villain, which is the fairy godmother. It introduces a new character who's just like in for the rest of the franchise now, aka Puss in Boots, who I remember when this came out, murdered, bro. Everybody loves him. This is when Antonio Banderas gets introduced to the franchise and this character is freaking sweet. Then you get to see Shrek as a human. Also, all the Shreks are known for this, most of the first two, but the second one definitely like cemented it in history. Great soundtrack. Amazing yeah. soundtrack. It's so good. People listen to the songs just on their own. Um, Was this the one that had Far, Far Away Idol in the bonus yes. features? Yep. And they removed that in yeah. streaming, obviously, because calling to vote doesn't make sense. Um, but this is the one that had it. This is the dude. It's so good. Um, there's plot holes, obviously. Um, but you can just ignore it. Um, the jokes are still there. That it's just like there's there's stuff for the adults. This movie holds up, bro. It holds up 100. percent I love it. Good. I had to give yeah. a number. I want to say I'm, I'm, it's the best Shrek. Okay. Until Shrek I'm gonna 5 say comes out. it's an eight. That's crazy. I just gave this Rock movie. On. I just yeah, gave dude. the father an eight. Yeah, no, live your truth. Stand but in yeah, it. You're it's, right. Dude, it's the best one. It's so good. Um, I watched Wrath of Man. Finally. After watching a bad Guy Ritchie film, I wanted to watch a, a hopefully better Guy Ritchie film. Um, Too much of this movie was us learning about Jason Statham's motivation for it's, revenge. That's the unknown I wish, of this movie. We all know where this is going, but that's yes. the unknown of why is this happening. I wish more of this movie was Jason Statham kicking ass and taking names because he does it a lot at the beginning and a lot at the end and not at all in the middle. The middle is a big, it's a big little lull of, um, of not really having that much action. Um, it has my boy in it. Michael yep, Weston. Love him. I love him. And so everything. always happy to see, always, always happy to see him come around. Um, and this oh, his was real name is Jeffrey still Donovan, not my f- wondering, but yeah, Michael Weston, AKA yes. the main character in burn notice. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's still not my favorite Guy Ritchie film. This one definitely kind of has that like brutal action that operation fortune doesn't have. Um, so it, yeah, it's a little bit more fast paced in its action when it does come around. I just wish there was more of it. So this movie left me wanting more, not in a great way, but just in a, I kind of wish it was a little different, but at the end of the day, it's a fun, fine action movie. Um, the motivations for Jason Statham's character was pretty deep and like watching those events unfold. You kind of see them coming before mm-hmm. they happen. But when you do see it, you're like, oh, I totally get it now. I am on this guy's side 100%. Um, when I tell people about this movie, I just say it's very similar to The Ambulance Um, in the fact that it's just, it's like GTA the movie. It's just violence. If Ambulance is the getaway from the heist and the, like, the actual hijacking and stealing of cars, 
and the and the cop chase of GTA. This is the planning the heist. This is all the Lester missions, and then it going yeah. south in the heist. It's the same vibe. It's just violence, violence, violence. It's I would say forty percent of the movie is just violence. Yeah. So this is like a six and a half for me. It was a fun watch. I don't think I'd watch it again, but I didn't yeah, have a that's bad what time I give with it. it. Um, I watched the umbra- the unbearable weight of massive talent, starring Nick Cage. Okay. Um. Yeah. This movie's good. It it's yeah good, bro. It's got. I mean, the only other person you didn't know who's in it is Pedro Pascal. He's the other main character. Tiffany Haddish is in it purely because Nick Cage likes her and wanted to get her to get casted in it. Nick, uh, Neil Patrick Neil Patrick Harris is in it, and I'm over Neil Patrick Harris, bro. I am. I like him in How I Met Your Mother. I know you are. I like him in a couple other things, but he's he's so comedic. I can't see him in anything else. He's always like, "Hey, man." Just be in musicals from now on, you know? But, like, I can't take him seriously in anything. Um, I'm trying to think of other people that are like that. I can't think of one right now. But, you're like, it pulls me out of the story so fast. And he's supposed to play, you know, Nick Cage's uh, agent or manager or agent manager. I don't know. It, this movie is so meta, and I love it. And the jokes yeah. are funny, and the scenes are funny and the dialogue is hilarious this is a good movie this is 100 a good movie it's streaming on a service that nobody has so if you happen to have stars you can watch it it's freaking yeah. good though bro it's so i i like this good. movie. i'm i mean it's not often that like i don't know what i was thinking i knew this movie was a comedy but i thought there'd just be other things it no it's a comedy it's 100 comedy yeah. through and through and it is funny from the beginning to the end. Not every joke hits, but they're not. There's no groaners. You're never like, "Oh, that wasn't funny." It's just like I'm not laughing out loud for that part. Um, yeah, dude. Sure. It's freaking. I don't know what else to say. There's like, there's action. There's there's callbacks. There's references to his earlier movies. It's Nick Cage playing Nick Cage. It's freaking sick. I mean, yeah. I don't know what else to say. It's freaking dope, and I loved it. Did you want to give Well, if it a I'm rating? giving them out for everything today, I'm giving it an eight, bro. Eights all around. <laughs> okay. All right. I watched Real oh, Steel. Okay. Yeah, which I know is this movie. <laughs> a movie about Hugh Jackman boxing oh, with robots. Gosh. Yep. This movie is almost cool. And I really think that's the best way to put it. F- first of all, I don't like watching Hugh Jackman play bad people, and he's not like an antagonist. He's just a bad person. He finds out that he is a son and immediately tries to sell him to his ex-girlfriend's sister. And like, when I mean sell him to her, I mean sell him to her. Like, I will take $100,000 and you can have custody of this oh, kid. Yeah. So, I do- so I don't love watching that. Um, and... I kind of thought it was just kind of, I didn't love the kid in it either. I loved the dynamic that they had kind of in the middle when their relationship still had tension, but they were able to like banter Mm -hmm. with each other. And then at the end of the movie, obviously everything gets fixed. He respects him as a dad. The dad understands the meaning of fatherhood. I'm like, I don't care. Um, Yeah. So I really have no strong opinions about this movie. I wish it was a little bit more about the robots, right? Because the robots yeah. are cool. Um, and you kind of want them to take like a Pacific Rim style approach where like everything about this movie revolves around the robots. But we will go like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes between fights. And I'm like, no, I want these robots to be fighting I mean, constantly. it's a borderline boxing I want there movie. To- 
It, no, it's not even borderline. It is so a boxing you get movie. A fight in the middle, a fight in the beginning, and a fight at the end. And you're like, well, that's the best part. That's what I'm here for. I mean, you could do a little bit more because it is a boxing movie, but we've all seen boxing movies. This is robots fighting. So you're like, hey, man, we don't need to stick to the three fight thing or like the training montage. Like you can throw in extra stuff. We want to see it. So that was kind of my big drawback is the the boxing was cool ish. And but the characters were just not there. I did not like any of the characters Mm -hmm. like Evangeline Lilly's character is fine, I guess. But she's not in much of it and doesn't really stand out. She's just like the least not great. So I I give Real Steel like a like a like a 5.75. All right. I'm co-signing that. Did you have one more? I have watched the first third of Seinfeld. I thought I was going to get to the end and then give you a full review. Um, The first two seasons, 10 episodes each. I think the first season is like eight. The second one's 10 or like 12. The third season is 23 episodes. Yeah, back when they used to do that. <laughs> I thought I was going to breeze through this thing. That is not the case. There are 170 episodes of Seinfeld. Yeah. I'm through the first third of seasons, not the first third of episodes. Yes. It's good. It's so good, dude. I watched Seinfeld like three or four years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm going to bring this up every time we talk about a sitcom. After four seasons, hell, even after like two seasons, you have to care about the characters in order to watch the rest of the show. And so I watched four seasons of Seinfeld and then I'm like, I get it. So I kind of bailed after four seasons. Yeah. I tell people. I mean, they say you can skip the first two seasons. Everyone's like, the first two are the worst, which is fine because, like, together, there's still less episodes in the third season. The third season, I, to be honest, I didn't feel that way. I knew what I was signing up for. I'm like, dude, they're also freaking 20-minute episodes. I can fly through these. The first season's all right, and I was a little worried that I'm like, yo, if this, if this is it, I'm in trouble. Second season's a little bit better. The third season is night and day better. (laughs) Every other episode is good. I do care about all the characters. I care about all of them. Um, I did not realize I was going to have to watch Jerry Seinfeld stand up every single episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had no idea. It's not funny. It's (laughs) not funny at all. (laughs) The fact that this is a huge part of the show is obnoxious. Yeah. I want to skip through it, but I feel like I'd be skipping like the main device of the show, like the really the biggest thing outside of the show that's going on. You get to really see the difference between Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. Yeah. Larry David, fire. Jerry Seinfeld. Holy crap, bro. This is rough. Also, there's this one. I have pet peeves. The actors always look like they're about to laugh. And they yes. shouldn't be like they they're they're laughing at how funny the other people's lines are. It's that no one's ever laughing. But I'm like, you should not be smiling. Why are you smiling? Why do you look like you're about to laugh? I'm like, you just broke up with your boyfriend. Be sad. You know, also, this is not a hot take at all. George Costanza, played by James Alexander, is the best part of the. Of, yeah, of the I think him and Elaine are tied for me. I like them both equally. But yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, both of them are great. Even Kramer is great. And it's it's annoying that the show is called Seinfeld because his three best friends <laughs> are better than him. And here's the thing. He's not that bad. He's really not. Um, he offers unique perspective. He's the comedian. So he's got 
better jokes, whatever. But the other three characters I'm more invested in. I'm going to watch this all the way through because I am invested in them. It's very okay. interesting. I also love the callbacks. Nobody does this, bro. Most people don't do callbacks because, you know, talking about a joke that happened 10 episodes ago, if you didn't watch it when it was on TV, you wouldn't get it. And it would be 10 weeks ago. So no one's going to catch it. I'm catching every single callback. It's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm about it, dude. And at this point, I know that people's favorite seasons are five and six. Um, I think seven might also be up there. I think it's three, five, six, seven. I'm like, dude, I'm in the middle of it. And I have 130 episodes to get to. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm pumped. Just, I'll give you an update on the second third of Seinfeld. Season three makes it worth it. The first one's mediocre at best. The second one's it. Not bad. It's just eh. third is fire. Um, but like you said, dude, if you get to the if you get to the end of the third season and you're not on board, that's it. Tap. I would yeah. say tap out. That's as far as I am right now. And I think you can make a pretty educated decision because at this point you've committed so much time. Don't commit another season just to find out if you like it or not. Like. I'm at sure. the deciding point, and I'm. I'm All right, I'm gonna get on. through one thing real quick. I watched the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, Oof. It. <laughs> this is my first Wes Anderson movie that I've ever seen, and I liked it more than I thought I was Are going you serious? to. Yeah, I genuinely liked it because oh. Wes Anderson is like he is like you know we were talking about like what makes a film a film. He makes like seventy five percent film, right? You know, that's kind of yep. the realm he lives in. Uh, and so and they're all packed, packed with celebrities. celebrities. When people talk about his movies, they never talk about the characters or the story or the writing. They always talk about like the visual aesthetic, the cinematography, the technical aspects. And because of that, I was incredibly wary to watch any Wes Anderson movie. Um, because typically those aren't the kinds of movies that I enjoy. I enjoy those aspects about movies, but those can't be the selling points for me, usually. Um, this movie was genuinely funny and had, I thought, a really cool story. Um, you know, it's about Ralph Fiennes trying to clear his name from a murder that he did not commit. And, you know, there's a jailbreak, there's... A, like you know, kind of like a mini art heist. Like there are really cool aspects to this movie that I wish I wish that I wish wasn't so played down by the technical aspects of this movie when people talk about them. And so I really liked most of this movie. Um, I, I genuinely laughed out loud during this movie and I was genuinely engaged with all of the characters um, Willem Dafoe is cool in this. Um, Adrian Brody is very funny in this. Like he's one of the funnier characters. Um, so all around, it's just, it was a lot more of a good time than I expected it to be. So, uh, all this kind of spawned because the Asteroid City trailer came out and that was cooler yeah. than I thought it was going to be. So I'm like, all right, well, if this trailer's cool. Then I've probably been sleeping on his movies and I guess I was. Uh, no, you watched one. I I have a request. I want you to watch The French Dispatch. It's an hour and 45 minutes. It's on HBO Max. If you like that movie and you like, if you like that movie and you decide you like Wes Anderson, then I'll be like, okay, you honestly like Wes Anderson. But you can't watch a guy's best movie and be like, this guy's a great I mean, director. 
Yeah, this is this is true. I mean, you but... can do that. You just did, but I would advise <laughs> you to watch the French Dispatch because I watched that. Yeah, one, and uh, I'm interested to okay. hear what you think. Um, but so I give Grand Budapest like a seven and a half. I liked it. Um, okay. So sure. let's move on to our one hit wonder. Um, we're gonna keep this one pretty short and sweet. Um, so I found my notes page that had all of my movie notes from when we started this podcast. So I want you to, I'm going to read some of my notes or I'm going to read some of my notes and I want you to see if you can guess what movie we were talking about in that episode. Um, so I haven't pre-picked these, so forgive me if there's dead air as I look. Oh, by the way, I'm Um, scrolling through. I can do this too. Um, I saw one. Okay. So what movie was I talking about when I wrote the note, Watching slaves happily dig and fight for the South was very weird. Happily dig and fight for the South. I, that's tricky. I'm going to say, I mean, the only slave movie that, oh, is it Lincoln? It is not. No, it is Gone with the Wind. Okay. That's a good, that's a good take. All right. I was going to say Django. I'm like, I don't think that happened in the whole movie. All right. I got one for you. Um, I mean, that's going to give it away. This movie is definitely not a sponsorship for homeless and poor people. Blue Bell Bagels. I'll give you another one. Um, hold on. No, hold on. Is this Pursuit of Happiness? No. I'll give you another Dang one. Dang it. Um, this character is a little toxic, but I like them. I'm a billionaire. I think I've seen you naked. Is this Molly's Game? It is Molly's Game. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that felt good. Um, Okay. Uh, the first thing that's going to stick out to you is the cinematography. Every time they do a transition involving a gun, you see it coming, but it still feels cool. Cinematography, gun. Okay. Here's what I want to say, and then I'm going to say what I'm actually going to say. Okay. I want to say Edge of Tomorrow. I'm okay. I'm going to say um, Wild Wild West. Uh, no, that was Snatch. I don't remember much of Snatch. I know I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to like it, but I don't remember exactly what that's was okay um okay i got one for you um <laughs> smash cut to the grandma's picture at the wake i'll pass <laughs> what is, is this interstellar no, i'll give you another one <laughs> um this this will give it away but it's a funny note dude hey mom post possession we are never talking again is this hereditary? It is hereditary. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> this is <laughs> Here's your next one. So boring. Boring, boring, boring. Nothing exciting happens for an hour and 45 minutes. Waste of time. So boring. Boring, boring, boring. Nothing happens for an hour and a half minute. Waste. Of- I'll give you okay. another note cuz I don't think you're yeah. going to get the Can I say Do I, sure. do I have to censor no, you're good. Okay. No, you're going to need to censor it, but I love how you said it four times Okay, already. this is the next note. Sebastian Stan could have been cut entirely. The cold couple could have been cut entirely. Well, the fact that they could have been cut entirely <laughs> makes So it... what boring movie did we watch with a cold couple? Oh, and Sebastian Stan. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what of his movies have we seen on the podcast? He's There's a couple actors. Who, like, just for some reason don't come up on the podcast very often. And I think Sebastian Stan's one of them. I bet you this is, like, one of a few, like, very few that we've watched. Um, this is, Can I get a hint? Can I get it's, another one? Um, I'll tell you the time frame. It's in the f- single-digit episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Go, go, 
Go into the brain bank, man. Really think on this Single one. digit? Single digit. Okay. Oh, I think I got it. Is it devil all the time? It is devil all the time. What a... I mean, that movie traumatized me, bro. <laughs> um, I'll give you one okay. more. Oh, no, here it is. Wanted okay. it to be James Dean, so it's James Dean. Oh, this is Heather's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember you giving me that note, and I'm being like, yeah, that was actually exactly the point. Congrats on picking up the, congrats on picking up the theme. Okay, I got um, one more after this. And it's yeah, gonna, go. Uh, these yeah. notes are awesome. All right, uh, so this one is Shutter Island meets Rain Shutter Man. I- so we had, so we must have watched both of those movies beforehand. So, yes. what psychology movie about an autistic person did we watch? Um, wow, this is crazy. Um, I'm gonna guess the skulls just because I think that's a funny guess. Um, funny guess, but it's I, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Sure, I guess that makes sense. And then I'll give you a last one. Um, let's find a good one to go out of. This movie is peak 2000s everything. The hair, the fashion, the lingo, the liveries on the car, and the soundtrack. Okay. The only clue is 2000s and livery on the car. Yeah. That's tricky. Um, Early 2000s livery on the car. Because when you first started, I thought this was going to be um, the dating movie with McConaughey and Kate. It's not that. Okay. Because livery on the car? I don't remember that at all. I mean, it could happen. Would you like, would you like for me to tell you? This is yeah. the first Fast and Furious movie. Oh, yup. That tracks. <laughs> yeah. That tracks. Uh, that was a fun little trip down memory lane. I liked doing that. Sweet. Yeah, that was enjoyable. Um, yeah. Um, that is the end of this episode. Uh, next week, we are going to be watching The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, a Ben Stiller joint. And that's it. Oh, um, we put out the Lord of the Rings episode of Small and Tall last week. That episode clocks in at two hours, 20 minutes, I think. So if you've been missing some long form podcast episodes, we got you hooked up. Don't you worry. But that's all I have. Uh, If... How do I end this show? My name's Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.